Hello, Mom. Hi. How are you today? I'm pretty good. I'm busy. Yes, you are busy. It's I am it's, busy. As we record this, it's Christmas Eve. Mm -hmm. So what we're going to do is we're going to finish um, with the last three parts of A Christmas Carol and post them on SoundCloud, mm -hmm. like usual. Maybe by this evening we'll have them done. Yeah. And These are good. So you've made These are really good. You've made kringlas, mm -hmm. which are excellent kringlas. You can look those up if you're listening to this and you want to know what a kringla is. You can look it up. It's Norwegian cookie. What are you drinking? Water. I'm, I'm drinking going. water as well. I'm also right. I'm also finishing off my coffee from this morning, mm -hmm. um, Tim Ho's, which is cold, but it's. Still, I like cold coffee. Yeah. It's, it was, yeah, it's fine. <laughs> so. We have a microwave, too, if you'd rather warm it up. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. Not bad. All right, so is there anything you would talk about before I get into stave three, which is the second of the three spirits of A Christmas Carol? No, I think you should just start. Okay. Um, I'll try to keep my notes up with you as you go. I'm going to say a couple things real quick. Mm -hmm. One is we talked about this briefly yesterday. And I won't, I'm not going to get into this at all, but there is a, I don't want to call it a remake of A Christmas Carol, even though it's called A Christmas Carol from 2019 that I have been hesitant to watch for the last two years. And I watched it the other night. I recommend people watch it, but it's not A Christmas Carol. It is performed, it, the actors are very good. What's the um, name of it? It's called A Christmas Carol. Oh. <laughs> um, the actors are very... Guy Pierce is a phenomenally good um, Scrooge, but it's not, it's not Dickens. It's not Dickens' Scrooge. It's something else. There's a lot of other things in it that mm. are interesting, and I think they're for the time. So like, I thought that I'd reference it because this is about the ghost of Christmas present, and... There's Christmas present right there, um, a version of A Christmas Carol in our present day. Man, 1980s was a while back. Yeah, so I still say that the night that that the George C. E. Scott version was still the best one. I just mm -hmm. I think it's so great. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a future episode. Mm -hmm. um, also, I wanted to say one more thing. While I was driving home last night from my shop, um, I heard on the radio we have a. We have a very eclectic, strange radio station here in um, central Ohio that is broadcast out of Columbus. They play a lot of music, which is the, why, the reason why I like a lot of different kinds of music mm -hmm. that you just do not hear anywhere else. Um, anyway, one of their Christmas traditions is that they play a radio broadcast of A Christmas Carol by Jonathan Winters. Oh. Is, this has been going on for... <laughs> For as long as I can remember. He, does he read it? Yeah. Have you ever heard does it? Does he read it from the from the real text? Yeah, he reads the, he reads the Christmas Carol and he acts it out. Oh, I'm going to have to listen to oh, that. Oh, yeah. It, this I want to listen to that tonight. This has been, they've been doing that for, as, that for as long as I can remember. Mm. And, um, but it's Jonathan Winters, <laughs> who's like arguably one of the greatest comedian <laughs> actors of all, he's, he of was. all time. He was he's, good. He's phenomenally good. Mm -hmm. Um. And he he recorded a Christmas Carol, and he does all the parts. And it's anyway. My point is is that 
on Christmas morning at 9 a.m., they're going to broadcast it again. It's mm-hmm. their tradition, so... I'm writing that down. Note to self. There's another version of it. A radio play <laughs> done by what Jonathan. Sta- what station is that on? Because you probably could get it. I don't know if I should. Well, I'll say it. It's, it's 90.5 WCBE in Columbus. Oh, okay. I'll just, I'll, why not? Mm-hmm. If you're listening to this, you, who knows? There's you probably like eight it. people you who listen to it. You might get it. Like, you can just pull that station up. Yeah, you can listen to it online, mm-hmm. wherever you are. Okay. Cool. Um, so anyway, there's that. Um so okay. let's let's talk about stave three. So mm-hmm. stave three is the second of the three spirits, and we remember that Scrooge had just had this experience with the ghosts of Christmas past, and he was a little. He was really worn out from that. It really affected him to see his past and not be able to affect it, and he and it was kind of like these memories came flooding back and. Um, So anyway, he's preparing, because of that, he's preparing for the ghost of Christmas present. He's like, so he throws open all of his bed curtains and he's like, he's kind of there ready to fight. (laughs) And it says, for he wished to challenge the spirit on the moment of its appearance and did not wish to be taken by surprise and made nervous. So he knows what he's, he's, he thinks he knows what he's going to expect. Mm-hmm. But he's very quickly reminded that these ghosts always have the upper hand when it comes to him. You cannot fight these spirits, and he's slowly starting to realize that. So it describes here, uh, Dickens writes, now being prepared for almost anything, he was not by any means prepared for nothing. Right, he was waiting, wasn't he? <laughs> and so what happened is the ghost of Christmas present keeps him kind of in suspense, and he doesn't show up for a minute, and then two minutes, and then three minutes, and then 15, and he just keeps waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting. And um, so he wasn't prepared for that. Scrooge definitely wasn't prepared for not seeing him. And then, so I highlighted this part too. It says, at last, however, he began to think as you or I would have thought at first, for it is always the person not in the predicament who knows what ought to have been done in it and would unquestionably have done it too. At last, I say, he began to think that the source and secret of this ghostly light might be in the adjoining room. Mm-hmm. So what is he, what is that? He's, the, the, the spirit of Christmas present appears in the next room it doesn't appear like the 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 ghost of christmas past which showed up in his in his bed chambers it shows up in this other room and so he makes scrooge come to him rather than the opposite which is i think very interesting um so he might the ghost may have been there on time scrooge just didn't uh find him did he see a a light or something a globe some kind of globe and i under the door or mm-hmm. around the door, which, yeah, I think he sees it. He sees this light, and he and it's strange. Mm-hmm. Um, this ghostly light in the adjoining room, and it's he's seeing it. So he gets up, and he goes to the door, and he puts his hand upon the lock of the door to open it, and he hears a strange voice called him by his name and bade him enter. And Scrooge, it says he obeyed. So things have completely shifted. 
the ghost of Christmas present has the upper hand from the, from the beginning. And he, it was his own room. There was no doubt about that, but it had undergone a surprising transformation. And here, I think Dickens is so good at this. He talks about the details of the room. The, uh, the walls and ceiling were so hung with living green that it looked like a perfect grove from every part of which bright gleaming berries glistened, the crisp leaves of holly, mistletoe, and ivy reflected back the light as if so many little mirrors had been scattered there. And such a mighty blaze went roaring up the chimney as that dull petrification of a hearth had never known in Scrooge's time or Marley's or for many and many a winter season gone, heaped up upon the floor to form a kind of throne were turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, great joints of meat, sucking pigs, long wreaths of sausages, mince pies, plum puddings, barrels of oysters, red-hot chestnuts, cherry-cheeked apples, juicy oranges, luscious pears, immense twelfth cakes, and seething bowls of punch that made the chamber dim with their delicious steam. In easy state upon this couch, there sat a jolly giant, glorious to see, who bore a glowing torch in shape not unlike Plenty's horn, and held it up, high up, to shed its light on Scrooge as he came peeping around the door. Come in, exclaimed the ghost. Come in and know me better, man. I am the ghost of Christmas present. Look upon me. So the ghost of, he, I love the way that he describes that. He's, this is, this is Dickens. Dickens just, and you're like, okay, we get it. There's all kinds of Christmas stuff there. It's, mm -hmm. but this is what Christmas is. He's the ghost of Christmas present. All of this is there, and it wasn't there before. It was, like it said, a, um, a um, how did you describe the, the, um, the dull petrification of a hearth? So it described his, his fireplace as being the, like, basically dead. Mm -hmm. And here's now all of a sudden life, everywhere life, this brightness. Um, so Scrooge rever reverently did look upon him, rever reverently did so. And then it goes on, uh, Dickens goes on to describe the ghost. It was clothed in one simple deep green robe of mantle or mantle bordered with white fur. The garment hung so loosely on the figure that its capacious breast was bare, as if disdaining to be warded or concealed by any artifice. Its feet, observable beneath the ample folds of the garment, were also bare, and on its head it wore no other covering than a holly wreath set there, set here and there with shining icicles. Its dark brown curls were long and free, free as its genial face, its sparkling eye, its open hand, its cheery voice, its unconstrained demeanor, and its joyful air. Girded around its middle was, a unique, was an antique scabbard, but no sword was in it, and the ancient sheath was eaten up with rust. So the, this here's a, an interesting drawing I'm going to show mm -hmm. you of the ghost of Christmas um, present. He's, he's the, huge. He's a giant, a jolly mm -hmm. giant, and he's very mirthful, very joyful. Very green. Very green, yeah. And, he's got red cheeks. Yeah. And he's, drawing. he's very hairy, mm -hmm. let's put it that way. Boy, um, 
He's, yeah, he, Scrooge looks weak next to him. Yeah, he, he's, yes, exactly. Scrooge is described as being very unhealthy compared to this man who is large. It says he has a capacious breast. He has long curly hair. Um, he is, this is a different kind of person. And in fact, the ghost of Christmas present says something which I think is wonderful. He says, um, he says, um, wait a second, I, I, I want to read this exactly. You have never seen the like of me before, <laughs> exclaimed the, the spirit. Because I think it's like, boy, I'm something else, aren't I? Like this is, I'm the, I'm the, anyway, he's the embodiment of Christmas. And today, at, today. The, at, at this time, it's, he's happy and a lot yeah, and decorations so I, and food. And it's what kind of what's going on today. Yeah. And so that, today, lead, today. that leads Please. to this question that I have for you <laughs> that we looked up the other day and you found out the answer to, which I really like. I was like, why does the ghost of Christmas present say, say that he has 1800 siblings? Oh, yeah. And, and I thought yeah. your answer it's like, oh, wow, that makes total sense. Right, right. And it's kind of mind blowing. And it might be obvious to people who would like who have listened to this, but I've never thought of this. So no. if you want to go ahead and talk about that. Well, I searched to think maybe there were three or four. You know, when you search, you get different opinions from different sources. But this one was sounded really good when it said that this was writ, written in like 1830. What was it? 1843. Oh, 1843. Numbers turn around. That's when it was published. 1843. So there had been a little, since Christ's birth, there had been a, a little over 1,800 Christmas presents. Mm -hmm. Christmas days. Mm -hmm. So those are his brothers. Mm -hmm. He is one of them. Yeah, and he's his the newest is, one. Right. So he the has, ghost of Christmas present. Right. And mm -hmm. so there had been several of them. But his day, his day. I mean, after today, after after Christmas, he's gone, and the next brother will show up mm -hmm. in the following year. And so, so this right. also leads to like why the ghost of Christmas past is the way that I'll say she, mm -hmm. the way that she is, the way that, that that spirit is. Why is the ghost? Why is the spirit of Christmas future the mm -hmm. way that it is? Mm -hmm. It makes a lot of sense now. Mm -hmm. Very good. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. I Good job looking that up because mm -hmm. I, I was like, wow, that kind of changed a lot of things for me. And I, well, since we're stopped, sure. you know, you were talking about that um, spirit being commanding or in, in control. Well, I was reading too, um, someone had written that the ghost or the spirit uses a lot of imperative imperatives, like go, come in, you know. Put your hand here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, talk about that right now. Oh, is that what you were going to talk no, about? No, it's oh, good. Yeah, keep going. Well, that's. I thought that word imperative was a good word to describe what the spirit was doing with him. He was just saying, "We're going to go. We're going to grab grab my robe." I mean, he didn't even give uh, Scrooge a chance to mm -hmm. uh, back away. Or I would say also mm -hmm. that this that the ghost of Christmas. I always say the ghost. The spirit of Christmas present mm -hmm. is very confident, right? And he's very—I would almost say he's kind of like sexually, like he's—he—he he doesn't care. Mm -hmm. He's—he's con in control. 
It's it's him. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, he's got to get done what he's got to get but done. He, he's no messing around. He has one day to do it. Mm-hmm. And and so he is compelled. He does have, like, that is, but that's the only restriction that he has. Isn't that how Christmas is, though? Like, yes. I was thinking it was sneaking up on he's, me the other day, and here comes tomorrow. You and can't it, stop it. And it demands. Yeah. It sort of demands that you need a good dinner, that you need presents under the tree, that, I mean... You, well, need, you need this, you need that, you need... Ironically, and <laughs> so. I think this is one of the things that, that that Dickens is talking about, you feel that you need those things, mm-hmm. but you don't really mm-hmm. need those things. And so mm-hmm. he's sitting on top of this throne of everything that you can imagine, like what you're mm-hmm. talking about. Mm-hmm. You need these things to have Christmas, but you oh, don't. wait, because he's going to take them. He's yeah. going to show him. And they're going to be gone. Mm-hmm. And, and so... Um, so what you were just talking about, I think it's very good. And and so um, Scrooge is, he is still kind of, well, he says it here. He said, spirit, conduct me where you will. I went forth last night on compulsion and I learned a lesson which is working now. Mm-hmm. Tonight, if you have aught to teach me, let me profit by it. Mm-hmm. Now, that con- that conception of profit, like you need to profit. Mm-hmm. You need to. Scrooge actually says this too. He's mm-hmm. like, boy, eighteen hundred people. That's a that's a huge family to provide for, and the ghost just the the, the spirit just laughs because mm-hmm. it's not what this is about mm-hmm. at all. And then the spirit says to him, "Touch my robe." And Dickens says, "Scrooge did as he was told." He did as he was told. Now the ghost, I said again, the spirit of Christmas present, he's described, again, we'll go back to the description, he's described as having a very loose-fitting garment. It's almost like it doesn't matter to him. He's he's bare underneath it. He's like a big old bass robe. Yeah, it's a big, big robe. He's got a big, his bare chest is out there, his bare feet are out there. He has a, a sword a scabbard without a sword that clearly hasn't been used in forever. If you know anything about swords and scabbards, you have to keep them oiled so that they can go in and out of the... It hasn't been used in forever. But is there anyone more that you can describe as being more Viking-ish than mm-hmm. this, than this, this entity? Um, anyway. Mm-hmm. So he, but again, there he is. He's, he's confident. He has this overwhelming confidence um and scrooge picks up on it maybe subvert sub subconsciously because he expresses i went forth last night on compulsion but yet he still is un- under the the control of this ghost mm-hmm. so scrooge did it as he was told and held it fast held the robe fast and then it says, holly, mistletoe, red berries, ivy, turkeys, geese, game, poultry, brawn, meat, pigs, sausages, oysters, pies, puddings, fruit, and punch all vanished instantly. So did the room, the fire, the ruddy glow, the hour of night. And they stood in the city streets on Christmas morning, where, for the weather was severe, the people made a rough but brisk and not unpleasant kind of music in scraping the snow from the pavement in front of their dwellings and from the tops of their houses, whence it was a mad delight to the boys to see it come plumping down into the road below and splitting into artificial little snowstorms. Mm-hmm. So there, all of that stuff goes away. 
They go into the middle of a street where he describes the weather as being severe, which means cold. It was very cold. It's still Christmas Day. Even without all that stuff, it's still Christmas. And he's still in control of this, mm-hmm. this whole situation. Um, I, I really like this passage. There was nothing very cheerful in the climate or the town, and yet there was an air of cheerfulness abroad that the clearest summer air and brightest summer sun might have endeavored to diffuse in vain. For the people who were shoveling away on the housetops were jovial and full of glee, calling out to one another from the parapets, and now and then exchanging a facetious snowball, better-natured missile far than many a worldly jest, laughing heartily if it went, and not less heartily if it went wrong. And so then I'm going to skip forward a lot of ways, long ways here. Not a long ways, but a couple pages. Um, the ghost keeps showing Scrooge what's going on in the streets. And his point that I think he's trying to make to Scrooge is that even though these people are poor, even though these people are working, even describes them as poor poor revelers. Mm-hmm. Um, well, the um, it says the sight of these poor revelers appeared to interest the spirit very much. So he liked this. And then it goes on to describe his torch. And it says he had a very uncommon kind of torch for once or twice when there were angry words between some dinner carriers who had jostled each other, he shed a few drops of water on them from it Mm -hmm. and their good humor was restored directly. Mm -hmm. Scrooge noticed this and he said, "Um, is there a peculiar flavor in what you sprinkle from your torch? And the spirit says, there is my own. And this leads um, Scrooge to say this. I wonder you, of all the beings in the many worlds about us, should desire to cramp these people's opportunities of innocent enjoyment. And the spirit, I, cried the spirit, you would deprive them of their means of dining every seventh day. Often the only day on which they can be said to dine at all, said Scrooge, wouldn't you? I, cried the spirit. You seek to close these places on the seventh day, said Scrooge. And it comes to the same thing. I seek, exclaimed the spirit. Forgive me if I am wrong. It has been done in your name, or at least in that of your family, said Scrooge. So Scrooge is saying, you're shutting down society for a you, your religion mm-hmm. is shutting down all of this. You seek mm-hmm. to shut this all down for the sake of order, of, of, of your worship, of worship of you and your family. That's a commandment. Right. Keep the seventh day. Oh, I was mm-hmm. memorizing. Mm-hmm. Well, then, so the spirit is absolutely just like, man... You don't I'm, get this. And I've this, got a lot of work to do. And, this, and so <laughs> the spirit says this, and I love this paragraph. This might be my favorite paragraph in the whole story. 
This is the, there are some upon this earth of ours, returned the spirit, who lay claim to know us and who do their deeds of passion, pride, ill will, hatred, envy, bigotry, and selfishness in our name, who are as strange to us and all our kith and kin as if they had never lived. Remember that and charge their doings on themselves, not us. What he's saying to Scrooge is, these people who say that they're holy, who say that they understand God and all of these different things, they, we don't, they don't know us any more than anyone else, and, and you need to hold them to those words, not us. It's not my fault that the religious order is the way that it is. This is one of the most, I would say, um, subversive passages I've ever read. Because he's actually saying, we're something beyond what man can perceive and use for mankind's, humankind's own power. Those people are seeking to impose their will upon you. And I'm here to show that you don't need to have that. Mm -hmm. That's why we're all here. Mm -hmm. And Scrooge is like, kind of like, whoa, I was completely wrong. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the ghost of Christmas, the, the spirit of, Christ, of Christmas is saying that. And he, I can, in my head, I picture this giant looking down this very strange giant who says, you've never seen me before, anything like me before, is looking at this little man, this man, and is saying this to him, making sure he gets this. And if you remember, like one of the things that is often talked about in, the Chris, in A Christmas Carol is like the eyes of the, of the ghosts. Mm -hmm. Jacob Marley's eyes. He can't see the eyes of the, the ghost, the spirit of Christmas past because it's so bright. It's just overwhelming him. This ghost is a completely crazy, something he's never seen. And then when he talks about the ghost of Christmas future, the spirit of Christmas future, he's like, I can't, he can't see the spirit's eyes. And it's, but he knows that the spirit is looking at him. And it's, anyway, mm -hmm. you can just, I, I can just picture that. Like the spirit just like burning holes into Scrooge's soul with his, like this, this speech. Um, so then they go to the Cratchit home. He takes them to the Cratchit's home. And uh, I won't get too much into that. But um, it's, they're not well. They don't have a whole lot of money. Um, he blesses, the, the spirit blesses. Yeah, the spirit drops a few drops of the, of his peculiar mm -hmm. flavor onto the, Cratchit dinner. Um, then uh, Mrs. Cratchit makes a pudding, and um, Mr. Cratchit, Bob, um, tries it, and he says it's as good as gold and better. Uh, oh no! Wait, I'm sorry. This is I'm I'm wrong. This is before the pudding was. This is about Tiny Tim. She asks Mrs. Cratchit asks Bob. Um, mm -hmm. How was he in church? And Bob says he was as good as gold and better. 
Um, and then he goes on to say, somehow he gets thoughtful sitting there by himself so much and thinks the strangest things you ever heard. He told me coming home that he hoped the people saw him in the church because he was a cripple. And it might be pleasant to them to remember upon Christmas day, who made lame beggars walk and blind men see. So again, here we go with the, the, the Christian allegory. Religious um, values of goodness. Yeah, do you want to talk about did you No, I just I just wrote I just wrote down when when I read that part that it's the goodness. Tiny Tim is doing what he can to be good. He embodies mm -hmm. that feeling. The, the religious aspects of Christmas time. Yes. goodness. So we get into the question of again, like, is this a is this a Christian allegory? Is this a um well, what is it? And I, again, I, I from the, our very first show, and I was like, I think it's both. Well, this is very heavy on the Christian allegory. Mm. Uh, and then Tiny Tim, of course, says this big line, God bless us, everyone. Um, that's one of the things that we always remember from the story, is Tiny Tim saying that. And it affects Scrooge deeply. And Scrooge says, um, Spirit, tell me if Tiny Tim will live. And the spirit says, I see a vacant seat, replied the ghost, in the poor chimney corner, and a crutch without an owner, carefully preserved. If these shadows remain unaltered by the future, the child will die. And Scrooge says, no, no, said Scrooge. Oh, no, kind spirit, say he will be spared. And then the ghost says again, if these shadows remain unaltered by the future, None other of my race, returned the ghost, will find him here. Mm -hmm. What then? If he be like to die, he had better do it and decrease the surplus population. Yeah, ouch. Scrooge ouch. hung his head to hear his own words quoted by the spirit and was overcome with penitence and grief. And then the ghost says something else to him. He lectures him again. Man, he calls him man, said the ghost. Mm -hmm. If man you be in heart, not adamant, Forbear that wicked cant until you have discovered what the surplus is and where it is. Will you decide what men shall live, what men shall die? It may be that in the sight of heaven you are more worthless and less fit to live than millions like this poor man's child. Oh God, to hear the insect on the leaf pronouncing on the too much life among his hungry brothers in the dust. The ghost says that to Scrooge. He, he, he has, this ghost in particular, has this tendency to just have these really pithy, mm -hmm. like, but, but they're not vague. He doesn't mess mm -hmm. around. He gets right to the point and he explains to Scrooge his problems, his issues. No, his, his conceptions that are in, completely incorrect. And Scrooge kind of felt that one, didn't he? Mm -hmm. He did. That made it him regret him. what he said about, well, let him die. You mm -hmm. know? Yeah. We don't need him. Yeah. I was reading that there is some economic person at this time, and I should have written his name, Math. Malthus. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. That was his whole philosophy was let him die. Let mm -hmm. him go to the poor house. Malthusian we're not, economics. We're never going to get rid of the poor, yeah. so just let him, you know. Yeah. Survival of the fittest. But... Yeah, kind of, and uh, that's where Scrooge is coming from. But it, 
the spirit is yeah uh, arguing Malthusian economics throwing a very good argument out there mm -hmm. Malthusian uh, economics is very interesting I won't get into it but like I find economics to be fascinating because it, it's often described to be a science, but so often it is tied to something else. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. um, perceptions of, of like how markets function and things like that. You and can make it be what you want it to be. Yeah. Economics and, is weird. And, and e economists do that. Mm -hmm. And it, it goes in cycles. It goes in trends. And so at this, at this particular time, Malthusian mm -hmm. economics was kind of... Anyway, um, so we're going we're gonna to skip forward a little bit. This ghost of Christmas present, um, it has a lot of power, and so the ghost of Christmas present is able to, he's able to move them from place to place all around the world, and they go and they visit all kinds of different places, including they go to, an, like, the middle of the ocean, and he sees uh, mm -hmm. sailors and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, and then they end up at Scrooge's nephew's house, where Scrooge had been asked to go and celebrate Christmas with his remaining family, his nephew, and his nephew's wife and her family. And here's a here's another really good description that I highlighted about Fred. If you this is this is Dickens saying this. If you should happen by any unlikely chance to know a man more blessed in a laugh than Scrooge's nephew, all I can say is, I should like to know him too. Introduce him to me, and I'll cultivate his acquaintance. Dickens is saying his so he keeps describing his laugh. He's like even though Scrooge is like trying to make him feel bad. He mm -hmm. still is so happy. Mm -hmm. And Scrooge's nephew goes on to say, I am sure he loses, loses pleasanter companions than he can find in his own thoughts, either in his moldy old office or his dusty chambers. I mean to give him the same chance every year, mm -hmm. whether he likes it or not, for I pity him. Mm -hmm. um, uh, then he kind it, of accepts Scrooge as that, and he's he not going to give up on him. Yeah, and I think I'm that goes back to... Up. You're not going to bring me down. I'm here for you when you want me. I'll be here mm -hmm. kind of attitude. It really goes mm -hmm. back to his sister, Scrooge's mm -hmm. sister, Fred's mom. And Dickens talks about it a little bit when he says, like, you know, his mother wanted, wanted him. His mother drove it into Fred's head that it's not Scrooge's fault. Just, he was made like this. And um, so Fred is the only one in the world who basically keeps He's not him. dismissive of it, huh? Right. Even Fred's wife does not like Scrooge at all. She doesn't trust him, probably. Yeah. Um, here's a description of Scrooge's niece. She, he, Dickens goes on to say that she's very pretty. She's a very pretty young woman. Mm -hmm. um, but she's also very poor. Um, Scrooge's niece played well upon the harp and played among other tunes a simple little air, a mere nothing, you might learn to whistle it in two minutes, which had been familiar to the child who fetched Scrooge from the boarding school, as he had been reminded by the ghost of Christmas past. So, mm -hmm. um, I want to say, as a leaf blower blowing outside is going on, that's fine. Uh-huh. Okay. Um kind of ironic that we're talking about pleasant mm -hmm. but the music that I picked for this for this show mm -hmm. right. is this tune it's the tune that um, Scro Scrooge um, do you have the name of it yeah I'm gonna look it up real quick I should have I, I forgot it's to Sir Roger it. something yeah um, 
Because I looked it up. Roger de Coverley. Okay. I have that in my other notes. So right? the song, um, uh, Sir Roger de Coverley, is the name of an English country. This is from Wikipedia, by the way. This is very basic. Mm-hmm. Is the name of a Wiki, uh, <laughs> is the name of an English country dance and a Scottish country dance, also known as the Haymakers. Um, <laughs> the haymakers. And um, I want to say, we'll, we'll get into this really quickly here. Um, so I found a copy of the, a, a, a recording of this, and that's what we used for the opening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to look up what that, I'm, I'm this is and I can't remember this right off the bat, but I'm just so... Okay, so the, the, the recording that we use, of the music that we use, is called Sir Roger de Coverley, and it's performed in our, our version that we use by the Seven Dials Band. Mm-hmm. And the Seven Dials, I found this out, we might as well start talking, is a neighborhood in London. Mm. And I don't know, we should probably look up like what... The Seven Dials is a road junction in the St. Gilles district of the London borough of Camden, close to Covent Garden in the West End of London. Seven streets converge at the roughly circular junction, at the center of which is a column bearing six sundials. The column had been commissioned before a late stage alteration of the plans from the from an original six roads to seven. So originally it was going to be six roads. Now it's seven. Now it's seven. Well, so they all um, merge in one spot. So they all merge in this one spot wow. in a neighborhood in London, England. That turning that turns turning circle is probably dangerous. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll uh-huh. here's another little reference here. Uh-huh. Agatha Christie wrote a book which I've never read called The Seven Dials Mystery. Oh. It's a work of detective fiction by Agatha Christie, first published in the UK on Mm. 24th of January, 1929. Hmm. So there's another little thing. But um, anyway, so the the music that you hear, if you like it, it's by the Seven Dials Band. It's on, I pulled it off of YouTube and I hope that it's okay for people. (laughs) Giving them a support, that's okay. So anyway, then they go on to, it says they didn't devote the whole evening music uh, they played some games. It lists the games. One of the games that they play is Blind Man's Bluff, in which this character named Topper is in pursuit of one of Fred's Fred's wife's sisters, and he he just it's a lot of flirting. Let's just put it this way in this party. And Scrooge is really into it. He really likes this. He participates in the games, even though he's not there. They don't know he's there. Yeah. But he becomes part of the games. Yeah. He just and he, he enjoys himself, mm-hmm. but nobody knows he's enjoying nope. himself. Nobody knows he's there. Because he's. And um, even when they use him as the butt of jokes, he he still is kind of like enjoying himself, um, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, Uncle Scrooge had imperceptibly become so gay and light of heart that he would have pledged the unconscious company in return and thanked them in an in audible speech if the ghost had given him time. Mm-hmm. What he means by that is, like, all the, the whole party wished um, Mr., uh, Uncle Scrooge a Merry Christmas and a Happy year, New Year to the old man, wherever he is. Um, 
And uh, Scrooge's nephew said, he wouldn't take it from me, but may he have it nevertheless, Uncle Scrooge. Mm -hmm. So then, this is, so we're going to get, this is the very last part of this, and then we'll we'll move on to something else, or we'll stop. Um, They go finally to another place um, called, well, I'm not exactly sure where this is, but um, but they go to another place, and the ghost is saying, it's almost midnight, and he says, the time is drawing near. And, what he, and the ghost is getting older. It says here, it was a long night, if it were only a night, but Scrooge had his doubts of this because the Christmas holidays appeared to be condensed into the space of time they passed together. The ghost grew older, clearly older. So he's thinking, he's looking at this this ghost and he's thinking, ah, oh, he's getting getting grayer, but he's still huge. Day's almost over. And it's 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 because Christmas is coming to an end. And Scrooge says, Our spirits' lives so short. And the ghost says, My life upon this globe is very brief, replied the ghost. It ends tonight. Tonight, cried Scrooge. Tonight at midnight. The time is drawing near. And then uh, the bells start to ring, and it's three quarters. Right. To, All the it's, bells start ringing again, don't they? Yeah, it's like three quarters past before. eleven, and it's almost mm-hmm. midnight. So he's got fifteen minutes left. And Scrooge says, "Forgive me if I'm not justified in what I ask, but I see something strange and not belonging to yourself protruding from your skirts. Is it a foot or a claw?" Mm, yeah. And the ghost says, "It might be a claw for the flesh of their." For the flesh there is upon it, was the spirit's sorrowful reply. Look here. And then the ghost opens up his robe. And it's two children underneath his robe. And it's described, Dickens describes it as this. From the foldings of its robe, it brought two children, wretched, abject, frightful, hideous, miserable, They knelt down at his feet and clung upon the outside of its garment. Oh man, look here. Look, look down here, exclaimed the ghost. He's telling Scrooge, do not turn away from this. It's an imperative. Yeah, this is an order. (laughs) Uh They were a boy and a girl, yellow, meager, ragged, scowling, wolfish, but prostrate too in their humility where graceful youth should have filled their features out and touched them with its freshest tints, a stale and shriveled hand, like that of age, had pinched and twisted them, and pulled them into shreds, where angels might have sat enthroned, devils lurked, and glared out menacing. No change, no degradation, no perversion of humanity in any grade. Through all the mysteries of wonderful creation, has monsters so, half so horrible and dread. Scrooge started back, appalled, having them shown t- to him in this way. He tried to say they were fine children, but the words choked themselves rather than be parties to a lie of such enormous magnitude. Spirit, are they yours? Scrooge could say no more. They are man's, said the spirit, looking down upon them and they cling to me, appealing from their fathers. This boy is ignorance, this girl is want. Beware them both, and all of their degree. 
But most of all, beware of this boy, for on his brow I see that written which is doom, unless the writing be erased. Deny it, cried the spirit, stretching out his hand towards the city. And that's the last thing that the ghost says to Scrooge. Scrooge says, have they no refuge or resource? And the ghost says, are there no prisons? <laughs> Said the spirit, turning on him for the last time with his own words. Are there no workhouses? And at that moment, it's midnight. The bell struck 12. That's the end. And the ghost, a Christmas present is done. And as Scrooge turns around, lifting up his eyes, he behold, beheld a solemn phantom, draped and hooded, mm -hmm coming like a mist along the ground toward him. Mm -hmm. And that is the ghost of Christmas future because the ghost of Christmas present is gone. gone. And that's part, that's stave three. Boy, that's really creative. It is. It's something like, else. It's uh, really you, something else. I was wondering how people write like that because I am not a writer. I have no idea how that, but if he had, if he, how he did this, I mean, he must have thought about how he could just want to talk to him and say, how did you, I mean, where did want ignorance, where did you see that? Did you write this down in notes like years ago thinking you would like to write about this? Or how do you, I mean, you really have to be focused in on what you're trying to get across to write like this. Like, do you write it in sections? Do you just sit down? I want to say something. Do you see? Do you see the story in your head, like artists see art on a canvas before they paint? Sometimes I want to say something that I, I think that know. I think is very hopeful, and I think that this is something that we've lost, or at least it's not it's not promoted so much in our contemporary society. But these authors, like Charles mm -hmm. Dickens, they're saying they. This is why they wrote these down. It's so that we. In 2021, do you think he can read it, and we know where he's saying to us all that he could possibly say? But it's so contemporary too. And it, would you think he and understood it to be like a human condition? Well, it's very like, hopeful, and I'll I'll point yeah, to a, a, another contemporary thing that happened yesterday. Joan Didion died. Mm -hmm. Now you can have lots of. There are people who have lots of issues with Joan Didion. One of the best books that I've ever read is. Uh, play it as it lays. I've, I read that. That was written in 1960, 1972, I think. It's a very difficult book to read. But it, Joan Didion wrote that in 1972. Now she's no longer with us. And there, and you can look up all the stories you want about like, what was she thinking when she wrote this? How? But it's there. That's all that you need to know. It's, it's there. right there. And you it read will it, you, be there. You can take whatever you want from it because she trusted you to read that in perpetuity, just like Dickens did. And I think that's a very hopeful thing. Like he gives it He gives it away, writes it down, and then he gives it yeah, away to it's people. it's you. It's yours. And you can bring what you want to it. It's okay. It's yours. Mm -hmm. And that's not to say that it's like there's no wrong, wrong way to interpret it. You, of course you can be incorrect. In the interpretation of the way that you read something, you can be incorrect. But that's that's also very hopeful because you can also learn. Can and that's what it. this story is all about. I like this story. Char 
It's like, Scrooge is Scrooge is wrong from the get go. Mm. He's wrong, but it's his choice. It's his choice. And does these he, does he know he's wrong when he starts out? He probably doesn't. He, Works for him. He even says to the ghost of Christmas mm. Present, he's like, "You're, <laughs> this is you. You're you you're doing this. You're making it so all of these people, you shut this all down." And the ghost of Christmas, the Christmas <laughs> Present says, "No." You're completely wrong. And that's so contemporary. And this I, I've got so many thoughts in my mind now when you say that because that's how it, the last year or two have been. You see that all a lot where people are... Well, anyone in, mm. a, in a position... I'm going to... Oh, there goes my, there goes my alarm. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that was my alarm to take my medicine. But well, I'll tell you what. Anyone in a position of, of authority, that's them. Anyone who tells you that this is how things are, are that's them. I'm, I'm not going to get, I swear to God, I'm not going to get into <laughs> under my political soapbox. No, but, but, but I don't care what political party, what your, what your yeah. ideology is. I don't give a crap what it is. Mm-hmm. If you go on and you, and you say, I know better than you. Okay. you, you that's it. That's then, it. Then you need, that person needs to be questioned yep. over yep. and over yep. and over again. I don't care that's who it. they okay. are. Mm-hmm. I don't care what, where they come from. If okay. they're saying that, that, that they need, like, it's that is tyranny, and and an author like this, a writer like this, is saying to you, "I trust you to do with this what you will. I, you can be completely wrong. You could use this for nefarious reasons. You can come up with the most hideous, horrible thing that that you can justify with this. But you're, but I trust you, you to make that decision. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good." We'll have to move on to the next one later on. All right. Today and quick. It's such a nice story. It is. It's a beautiful. It's story. a good good story to read right now too. Yep. I know it's very good story. I might have to go back and read it again. I've only gone over, I don't know, three or four different versions, and it's okay. It's fun. Every time you read, you see something else. Oh yeah. That's good. There's something new. Well, we're going to get into... Lots of layers, as you say. Lots of layers here. I think Stave 4, The Mm -hmm. the Last of the Spirits, I think The Ghost of Christmas Future is one of the most terrifying (laughs) characters. I have something I'm going to run by you when we we do this. Okay, cool. Awesome. See what you think of what I think. Awesome. I don't know. Okay. All right. We'll see you in the next Dave. All right. (laughs) Talk to you later. (laughs) Bye.